Look, I know you know that I know that you know how busy we all get. Ollie can help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four years and up. And the new Ollie Brainy Chews support healthy brain function with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Now, I thought boxing was hard, but nothing is as punishing as a one-piece fishnet stocking with high heels. (laughs) Nothing. I can tell you because... You you know how difficult that would be to put on? I mean, it had not one rip on it. It was like perfectly put on. I mean... Somebody got to cue me or do I cue myself? Cue yourself. Okay. Hey, everybody, we are back with another episode of Let's Talk Off Camera. So let's get talking. Thank you, Roz. That's nice of you to join in the applause today. (laughs) Um, Today we are joined by, you know, to say boxing legend, I think is too small of a phrase. I think global phenom. I think certainly a person that changed the face of boxing, changed the identity of boxing single-handedly. Yeah. Um, Oscar de la Hoya. I I don't know if you all watched this docu-series. I mean, it's a two-parter. I feel like there is a part missing. I feel like it needed to be a three-parter. It's called The Golden Boy, where he is very open about much of his life. I still feel like there's more. I feel like there are chunks missing, but oftentimes children who are grown up in trauma erase Mm. chunks of their lives. And uh, Jan, I want to know your opinion, Albert, your opinion. What did you think? You saw it. I mean, I saw it. Yeah. I actually like felt a little sick afterwards about it. Me too. Um, it made me sad. It made me a little mad. It it kind of crossed every every emotion for me. Um, I didn't. I really didn't know all of this about him. And I think we we also watched the Steph Curry documentary. And like Oscar was in a rudderless home. I thought that was a perfect mm-hmm. description of it versus what Steph Curry grew up right. in. And it seems like his parents were so not only physically abusive, but so emotionally abusive. Mm -hmm. Um, And what that does to a child and his constant yearning for love and acceptance and what he thought was being a real man afterwards, Mm -hmm. it just... It's just struck me as being kind of sad. I think all of that. I don't. I dare I say I don't even think he'd be the boxer he was without that trauma in his past. Yeah, I I think boxing is one of those sports. Okay, now most sports I will not say this about. Yeah, but boxing is one of those sports where 
there has to be some sort of internal rage because if you are abused as a kid, you got to figure when you get into that ring, there's nothing that's going to happen to you in that ring that hasn't already happened. And at an age where you couldn't defend yourself and now you're a lethal weapon. Yeah. So I think it's that one sport where being a little bit broken can make you better make you better give mm. you the advantage and i hate to say that yeah but i also the other thing that like kind of bothers me is i know he's been a victim but a lot of people like take what happened to them in childhood and change it and i think he thought he was doing that when he was running away from being a father i mean he's got six kids and he really did was not a parent yeah them. i want to get into that and too. so it's kind of like perpetuating what happened to him as a child. So like, here's the interesting sad. thing. I read this interview that just came out in Esquire where – so you see the kid's perspective. Mm -hmm. But when I read this interview that Oscar gave in Esquire, it's like a totally one big happy family. Mm. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. Can both of these things be true at the same time? You know, listen – Kids want, need, desire the love of their parents above all else. And they will forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive if there's that hope of a real relationship there. That's why I'm saying like Oscar's relationship with his children is not destroyed because I know how children are. Right. Children are very forgiving up until a point where – they become fully solidified adults and then start making their own decisions. And then it's like literally in their court. I mean, by even doing this documentary, it seems like he's trying trying to unpack it. It's super brave. It's also like left me with so many more questions. Yeah. You know, I have like such a soft spot in my heart for this guy. Yeah. You, I remember you. Oh my gosh. It, he, you were a fan. Uh, <laughs> he's here. He's here. He's signed on. Hi. Hi, Oscar. Hi, how are you? How are you? Long time no see. I'm so happy to see I you. I am great. Yeah, long time. My gosh. Oscar De La Hoya. You know, I am a long time fan. I'm a fan since the Olympics. Thank you. So he's an Olympic gold medalist and he's an 11 time title holder in six is that right six different six weight classes different weight classes yes that's really extraordinary and he's got this amazing documentary i've watched it twice now and i want to commend you first of all on your Thank bravery you. it's a really brave brave documentary um we've all seen it here and we found it so compelling so please welcome to the podcast. I know maybe I, you have mixed reactions to this moniker, the golden boy, Oscar De La Hoya. <laughs> Thank you. So you made this documentary and I was shocked by um, the level of abuse that you mm. sustained at a really early yeah. age. And I'm curious... You know, as scary as your childhood was, do you think that you would be as good as a boxer if it wasn't so destabilizing? No, you make you make all the uh, all the sense in the world. I mean, you've never heard of a world champion boxer come from a stable home. You know, a world champion always comes from poverty. You know, you've never seen an American kid 
with a silver spoon in his mouth, who has money, who has a stable family, become a world champion. It just doesn't, it's it's unheard of. And in, in this documentary, um, I reveal my truth without having any hesitation and not being afraid. I think being afraid is what has kept myself from, from, from talking all these years um, about how I feel. And growing up in a Mexican household in East LA, uh, immigrant parents. Maybe it's maybe it's the culture. Maybe it's my parents who just had parents that were so tough and uh, and didn't know how to express themselves. And so in my household, as a kid growing up, I was physically and emotionally abused. And I never spoke about it. I never because you just can't. For first of all, you don't want to hurt your family's feelings. You don't want to reveal it to the world because it's scary. But I just felt that um, after all these years of therapy that I've been doing, but all that work that I did, I, I believe prepared me for this moment so I can speak my truth. Because right now I feel so at peace with myself. I feel like if this documentary was a was a therapy session for me to just to just be good with myself. Did you have uh, editorial approval or did you say, just tell the story? Um, I did have editorial approval, but very, I mean, I didn't even say anything. You yeah. know, all the producers, the director, my gosh, he asked, I told him, ask me all the tough questions. And I want to go in deep on everything that happened in my life. Oh, and wait, plus I'm going to tell you more of the secrets and the truth that I have that I've never spoken of. So everything is authentic. And I didn't do it for people to see it and say, oh my gosh, I can relate. Or, oh my gosh, thank you for helping me. Or no, I did it for myself so I can liberate myself. And at 50 years old, I I just told myself, now's the time. Why not? But I bet it has resonated with a lot of people. I'm I'm certain that you have been surrounded by people coming up to you and saying, oh my God, we had the same childhood. Oh my God, I can relate to this so much. You know, um, part of what struck me was that it seemed like you didn't have a choice in the matter. Your dad had decided that you were going to be a boxer after your brother seemed to say it wasn't sure. for him. Sure. So, you know, I, I have this image that you set and it's four in the morning and you're a six-year-old little boy and suddenly you're running down the streets of East Los yeah. Angeles. Yeah. It's like dangerous. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of crime. You're running past people that are still out from the night before mm -hmm. and you're a little tiny right. boy, you know, and I'm picturing my own kids when they were six sure. years old. I didn't let them out of my sight. Right. <laughs> uh, so, like, did you have any supervision or were you totally alone? Um, yeah, no, I was totally alone. I was basically forced into into a sport that never in my wildest dreams I would do. I would participate in. I mean, what kid wants to get hit at six years old and punched in the face? So when my, when my brother decided to quit, um, you know, the family kind of abandoned him. And uh, and it was sad, and 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 mm -hmm. and it, it's amazing because this documentary, I have my kids talking, I have my brother talking, the people that are most close to me, right? And so when I watch it, 
I guess it's easier for them to talk to me through the lens for some strange reason. And so I, I wanted to get their perspective on, on how they feel growing up, on, on, on what they feel about me. And so HBO just captured it. I mean, they, they hit it right on the head. Here's another question for you, because I heard you say that you've had a lot of therapy. Are you currently in no, therapy? No, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm actually great. Um, I've been great for a long time now. Um, no, but I'm great and I still go to therapy. Like I, I like, I love therapy and I wonder like how many times a week do you work out? Um, once a week. Okay. Once a week. So therapy is the gym for your exactly. emotions. Exactly. It's the gym for your mind. And I want, because I think you deserve to mm -hmm. have the ability to communicate with your family. You know, I want to talk about your mother because she died when you were so young. Sure. And so much of the persona was built around this deathbed wish from mm -hmm. your mother. But when I really listen to how you talk about your mom, she never hugged you. She never told you she loved you. She would beat you. And I'm wondering how hard it was for you during those early years that you're on the press junket and people are going over and over and over you know, let's put a pin in the fact that you lost your mom young and there was everything was unresolved, right? I I get that. I understand that's A, it's scary, but it's left unresolved and that's mm -hmm. scarier. But then you have to go out and sell this image over and over and over again. And it's so the two of you are like inextricably linked mm -hmm. and the formation of this link is a lie. At what point does that start to cause this internal, like, I would say, like, self-hatred? How much self-hatred was going on in there? No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I had no choice but to go with the story, but it was all, it was a connection um, with my mom that I had. And, you know, as time goes by and people are talking about, you know, winning the gold medal for my mother, and the media is just, it's, it's caught fire and it's everywhere uh, during the Olympics. It's, it's, you can imagine all the emotions and living with, with that lie was, was just... Overwhelming. It was overwhelming. confusing. It was overwhelming. It was just difficult to... to but, but I went with it just to, just to be closer to my mom. During my career, at the height of my career, when I was like 23, 24 years old, I took a whole year off to sing an album for her because my mother was a professional singer. So I did mm -hmm. an album for her just so I can connect with her and, and feel close to her. So here I am as a kid that gets abused physically, but I love her so much. You want her approval. I, I continue to want her approval. And and um, I, I, I literally, I had to do a lot of work, a lot of therapy. and. I remember this one time about 10 years ago, um, I went to her cemetery and I wrote a long letter, like a five page letter. But I, when I got there, I felt so much anger that I told her how I felt. And at the end of the, at the end of, uh, of me speaking to her, uh, in her grave, I just told her, mom, I, I, I forgive you and I love you. 
And so I felt this like sense of just being free. I did that with my father as well two years ago because he's never told me he loves me. He never can express it. I'm sure he does, but he just doesn't know how to tell me. And so I told my father the other, like two years ago, I told him, Father, I love you. And I was expecting for him to get mad or something, some kind of reaction, because I've always been scared to tell him. And what did he do? He just broke down and cried. And I'm wondering, like, do you vocalize that to your children? All the time. All the time. It's like... Because you know the importance sure, of Sure. I mean, the, I know the pain of not knowing it and hearing it from your parents. And um, so the cycle breaks here with me. And I tell my kids all the time that I love you and I hug them and I kiss them. And I, you know, the memories I have of the lack of love, the lack of attention and, and um, is, is painful. When I saw your children, first of all, they're all so beautiful and lovely and they clearly love you. Mm -hmm. um, but they talk about how absent sure. you were, you know, uh, during much of their lives. And I wonder, like, how much accountability to take for that? Have you reconciled that? Like, what was going on within you during that time to make you seem to flee the responsibility sure, of parenting? Sure. Um, when when I when I won the gold medal, I mean, obviously my life changed. And living with fame, living with money, living with literally the world, just telling me how wonderful I am, you know. It becomes overwhelming at some point. You know, I, I nobody gave me a handbook to deal with life when life is going to throw at me fame and money and this and that. Like, I didn't know how to deal with anything. And so, and I didn't have my parents to teach me. I didn't have anybody to talk to me. I had to learn on my own. And there was a period of time um, when I did find out I had two kids and then I, you know, I got married and th that period of time, those years were just, it was so overwhelming. It happened so fast. And then plus I'm in the middle of my career and I'm training for literally nine months at a time because I'm fighting three, four or five times a year. So I have to stay up in the mountains in seclusion and just, and, and, and focus on, on my job at hand. So I was absent. I was not there for them when they were growing up. I was not a father. And so when you combine and, 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 and all the other stuff, it just gets so overwhelming that you just want to run. And, and, um, and it's, a, it's a work in progress. Oh, forever. Now, have you forgiven your father? I did forgive my father. Yes, I did. I when I told him two years ago, just two years ago, um, that I love you, um, and he told me he loves me back. Uh, we discussed my childhood. We discussed everything that, that happened to me. And he didn't know that my mother was abusive to me. And so when I told my father that, he, we just started talking like adults and, you know, like his son. And, you know, we were just crying together and, um, and we made amends to each other. And, uh, and, but still, it's a work in progress because my father very tough. He's hard. He's, he doesn't really understand emotions and feelings. It's, I mean, it's very complicated, but here it is, right? He attached all of his hopes and dreams and desires and everything he thought he should get onto you. 
and you were six years old. Yeah, he basically right? lived through me. Um, and 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 I did. It's funny because I mean it's not funny, but I I felt like a commodity at six years old. Uh, my mm -hmm. family treated me like a commodity at six years old because I'm I'm the chosen one. I'm the kid who has the talent who's gonna take us away from this environment and 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 move all the family to a better neighborhood and, and buy everybody a home and so imagine all that pressure growing up and knowing it as well yeah i mean think about your own kids at six years old they can't put their own shoes on right they can't they, they can't they can't get milk out of a refrigerator it's like that those things are very challenging right but yet also with that responsibility and all that pressure, then suddenly the balance of power shifts at a certain point. You win that gold medal, everybody falls in love with you, so they're not gonna tell sure. you no. You've got women throwing themselves mm -hmm. at you, so they don't tell you no. So at what, if any point, did you have a no person in your corner? I know what I'm buying my mom friends for Mother's Day. Fiori joggers. Jana's obsessed. My stylist Audrey is obsessed. So I know they're a sure hit. And if any one of my family or friends are listening to this podcast, hint, hint, these would be a great gift for me. They're designed with their dream knit stretch fabric, which I love because they're so ridiculously comfortable, but yet look so good. By the way, they're not just for women. I'm ordering them right now for Mark because Father's Day is right around the corner. No matter how you stay active, running, swimming, yoga, or just running weekend errands, Viore is for you. Viore is offering Let's Talk Off Camera with Kelly Ripper listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash off camera. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash off camera. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash off camera and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Melojo, my production company, is such a small business. So when we hire someone, it makes a huge impact. And Albert, I know you wear so many hats over there, you might not have the time or the resources to hire, but LinkedIn changes all of that. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. So Albert, the next time we're hiring, if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. We got Roz, so we know it works. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash off camera. That's linkedin.com slash off camera to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Albert, I know you're too busy to be frizzy. So grab Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I'm loving it because it helps reduce and repair split ends 
while quenching my bone dry hair with intense hydration. And during the summer, that's something we could all use. You'll also be way obsessed with Waze bestsellers like I am. My new favorite is their scalp and body scrub. It's a blend of sugar and coconut oil that cleanses, exfoliates, and moisturizes all at once on your scalp and your skin. I'm also really into their wave spray for this summer. It's a weightless, salt-free mist that gives you that just out of the ocean and my hair dried perfectly look. You know, like that look that is so unattainable. (laughs) It doesn't make my hair crunchy at all. And it's super easy to use. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code off camera for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com promo code off camera. Did you have a no person in your corner? Did you have a person who told you the way it was, the way it should be, the way it would be easier for you that you didn't get rid of or that your that your team didn't extricate from the equation? Uh, never had it. I never had it. Never. never. Until now, until recently. And who's, who's recently in your corner that tells you the way it is? Um, my girlfriend, Holly. I finally found my best friend. I just never knew that there was somebody out there for me that can be so so loving and, and compassionate and, and but yet firm and know what they want. I'm fifty years old and you know, there comes a time where I was always asking myself, when when can I just be at peace? When can I just find that person? And the one thing that I've learned, Kelly, is that all my belts all my my gold medal including all those trophies like sure it's a good it's a great legacy people looking outside in it's like my gosh you're so accomplished and but my legacy kelly is is going to be my relationship that i nurture that i take care of that i love with holly who i adore because when i'm 85 years old and i tell her and look into her eyes and tell her we did it we made it that's going to be my legacy. That's what I want for my life. But what about your legacy with your children, with respect to them? Like, is that not also your legacy? Absolutely. I mean, it's, they're my kids forever. And um, I love them to death. But they're, they're their own person. They're, they're young adults. They're kids who are going to live their own life and make their own mistakes and but I will always be here to give them advice. I will always be here to love them, to hug them, to tell them that I'm always going to be here. And when you uh, look back in your life, because I look at you and I see a really young guy, like you have so much left. And before you logged on, I was talking to Jan and Albert here and I watched the documentary for a second time last night. And when stuff really got really got uh, trying in my marriage was when you fought Chavez for the first time. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Mark and I sort of bonded over the fact that I grew up watching boxing. He was a boxing fan. When we met at work, you know, I was always talking about what fight I was going to watch that weekend. And one day you and Chavez had a fight and they showed the fight at the Beacon Theater in New York City for those of us who couldn't fly to uh, Las Vegas. Vegas. And Mark said to me, you know, 
Chavez is going to win. He's going to he's going to beat your boy. Really? And I go, you're uh, you're living in a I fantasy knew land. You was with you, Chavez, my yeah. God. No, no. <laughs> and I say, you're living in a fantasy land. But what was interesting was you won Mark over in that fight. That was the fight where Mark went all in because I had been all in since the Olympics. I was all in. But when I watched this documentary and you so clearly, decisively beat his ass, not once, but twice. And then I watch your dad, I watch your dad say, you know, if Chavez had been 10 years younger, he would have beaten my son. And I, and I thought to myself, is that your dad's way of making himself feel better? What did you think about that moment? Did that, did, did you pick up on that? Am I making too much out of it? Oh, no. It's like my father, my father, for some reason, I mean, I know that reason that he painted himself as the villain and he doesn't even know it. I mean, when he talks about, right. well, if Chavez was younger, he would have beat you. And Oscar could have, uh, my son could have accomplished a lot more if he would have done this and this. Like, my gosh, like, wait a minute, I'm your son. Can you have, like, can you give me some credit here? Um, he's a tough man. He's a tough man. He's a tough man. That comment startled me. Right. I was startled because I thought to myself, all these years later, and your dad is still not giving you the credit you deserve. Right. And by the way, he could take total credit and say, I did that. I kicked the door at four o'clock in the morning and put running shoes on a six-year-old, weren't even running shoes, right? Tennis shoes on a six-year-old and made him go run the streets of East sure. LA at four o'clock in the morning. He could take total credit, but instead it seemed like, uh, is it ego? What I, is I it? think so, yeah, the, the machismo. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a story, and this is the only story I know about my father and my grandfather. In Mexico, uh, when my father was six years old, if he would do something wrong or, or let's say he wasn't, uh, herding the cows um, at a certain time, um, my grandfather would tie him up to a tree with chains and whip him. And that's the only story I know about my father. So you can imagine how tough of a household it was. And uh, and then I guess that's why he's like that. And and I I mm. can't blame him. I can just forgive him. You know, that's that's it. When you were talking about your dad and like that machismo mm. thing, how much of that is in you? Not a lot, to, to be honest with you. Not a lot. I've Because of all the work I've done over the years, like I have this little thing I say to myself, like ego is not my amigo. And so I learned that a long time ago. <laughs> Write that down, Albert. Write yeah, that down. I learned that a long time ago. And so, you know, I don't want to be like my father. I don't want to treat my kids like my father did to us. I don't want, like, I'm... I'm tired of that. I'm. I. I, I want to just break the shackles and just, and make sure that it stops here with me. You know, there was a moment. It was kind of painful for me to watch. You were describing being in the ring, and and you started looking off. You were looking at something. I could see you looking at something, and you said, "If you look into my eyes, you can see I'm not even looking at my mm. opponent." What is it you see? My mom, my mom, um, I guess she had a lot of power over me, like emotionally. And it's, I was just thinking about my mom, like all the pain. It was a lot of pain. Um, 
that she endured in me. Um, so I would just think about her and all wow. the rage would just come out. And it was like a switch. It would only happen inside the ring. It would only happen when I'm preparing for battle. And here I am challenging the toughest guys in the world. And the only person I can think about is my mom because she's the only person that can unleash all the rage that I have in me. It's pretty powerful. You know, it was, it was an unbelievable moment. And I just, you know, I felt, I felt for you. Moms do and can have the most profound mm -hmm. impact. And you lost yours so early. But I'm curious, if she were to somehow, like, let's say she lived, let's say cancer did not mm -hmm. take her. What, what do you feel like your relationship would be like with her? Because, you know, I think she, not knowing her at all, was probably doing the best she could with the limited tools she had, you know? Right, right. And I learned that after she passed away. Um, I didn't understand as a, as a kid. I didn't understand why she would beat me so much. And sometimes for no reason. And I just didn't understand it. And so as I grow older, um, when she passes and um, time has gone by, it's like, okay, well, let me, let me free myself from this because this is just too painful. And so what I figured out was that, my gosh, maybe her upbringing was just so tough. Because my grandmother was like, she was a tough cookie. Yeah, it's generational. I mean, it's passed down. It's passed down. It's passed. It's learned behavior. Right. And um, yeah. so... I, when I was able to forgive her, um, it was it was probably one of the most scariest, toughest things that I've ever done. You have to make that decision. Are you going to be scared or are you going to be brave or, or have courage? And so like fear to me now, because of my mom, I have two choices in life to make. And one is that I, I, I fuck everything and run from it or I face everything and rise to it. And that's what fear to me is, is, is that I'm, I'm, I've decided to just face everything and rise. Cause I'm, 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 I'm fed up with just running from everything. I'm fed up with not facing anything. And so it's something that I guess spiritually, or I don't know how my mom taught me, my mom taught me all about fear because I was so scared of her. Well, there's fear and there's shame. They sort of go hand in hand, right? And I'm thinking about like, you really are so very, very open in this documentary. You talk about drinking at, you know, getting like drunk at nine years old, uh, I think you said, like blackout drunk. I was eight years yeah. old when I... Yeah, eight years old. And, uh, you know, and then it seemed like every time you weren't training, you were using substances I don't know if it was drinking or drugs yeah, or no, both. When I was fighting, it was just it was just drinking. It was just uh -huh. yeah. Because we did you food. ever did you ever fight drunk? Did you ever have a fight hungover? Uh, no. the The only time I drank um, was at the end of my career when I fought Manny Pacquiao. Um, I was I was getting so so when I started training camp for Manny Pacquiao. Mm -hmm. It was always about two and a half months prior to the fight. So I would go up to the mountains uh, up here in Big Bear in California. 
And so when I started training camp, I was sparring with my with my teammates and I was just getting beat up and mm. and my training wasn't going well and I was older and my body wasn't feeling the right way. I was just feeling everything was catching up to me physically. And so I remember those mm. last two weeks um, prior to the fight of I just started drinking because I was feeling sorry for myself because I already convinced myself that I'm going to lose. And so I said, you know what, let's just, let's just go all in and just start drinking and, 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 and not feel the pain. And so when I stepped inside the ring with Manny Pacquiao, right from the start, he was beating me up. And I remember the eighth round, um, he had me in the corner and he was beating me up and he couldn't knock me out. And I was thinking to myself, please, Manny, just land that one punch so you just end it all right here. And I remember thinking that. And um, and when I when I watched the documentary, it explains all that to you. And it's it's sad. It's, it's really, really sad. sad. Do you do you think so much of your more um, you know out of the ring destructive behavior was also attempts at that sort of thing, like just get me out of this, take me out of this. You were sexually extraordinarily irresponsible by your own admission. Um, you, it seems like you used drugs and drank to the point of blackout. Sure. Um, and I'm wondering, like, when you are in a blackout state, are you able to know what it is you do with women when you're in a blackout state? Well, a, a perfect example is is um, the incident when those pictures came out, um, the famous pictures of me wearing lingerie and women's underwear, this and that. Mm -hmm. um, I have no clue what happened. I, I have no clue whatsoever. I remember when I first met that girl, which is in the documentary talking. Yeah, of course. Uh, we found her somewhere in Costa Rica, uh, hiding out somewhere till this day. Mm -hmm. And this happened 15 years ago. I remember when I would call her, um, obviously the intentions were, I'm going to get with her. We're probably going to have sex, whatever, this and that. But it was always, it was always ended. It always ended up at me always crying to her and, and, and wanting a hug. And she says, Oscar was, Oscar was odd. And it was weird because all he did, all he wanted to do is just like cry and talk. So what you're saying is when you're blacked out, fucked up, that's sort of your personality. Yeah. yeah. Is not one of violence or sexually aggressive towards I'm not, women. I'm, that's not me. So what do you think, but why so many women would come out and level these accusations? The accusations are exactly what they are, accusations, and it's never true. You know what I, I will say, and this is on a light note, you know, when I saw those pictures of you, I was like, this guy punishes himself because you're in a sport that's punishing, but nothing is as punishing as a one-piece fishnet stocking with high heels. Stop. Nothing. I can tell you, you because- you know how difficult that would that be is, to put on? No, I, I'm just telling you, I don't know who snaked you into that. I don't know how you got there. But if you had been fully present, you would have said to yourself, now I thought boxing right. was hard, but 
a fishnet onesie is the toughest thing. I, I mean, it done. had not one rip on it. It was like perfectly put on. I mean, <laughs> I wish I would have known it's what tough happened. To do. You know, I, but I was just, I just do not know what I, I, it's funny because I talked to my girlfriend, Holly, about it and she's like, and what did she say? The oh, same yeah. thing. She's like, wait a minute. I, I've worn that and that's impossible to put on without <laughs> ripping or tearing. I have put on fishnet, not a onesie. Uh, but fishnet stockings, and I have to wear satin gloves right. to do it, and it takes about so three funny. hours, <laughs> and I'm in a complete agony the entire time. I don't feel comfortable for one second. You know, that's what I, I, I was like, this guy only knows how to punish himself. That's all he knows. I didn't see it that way, but uh, it does make sense. <laughs> yeah, just something to explore with your therapist when you go back. Um, I know that you... According to the documentary, you paid a million dollars to prevent those photos sure, from coming out. Sure. But then they came sure. out. Where did the million dollars go? And am I wrong to imply that when we cut to the woman in the photos, she's like luxuriating at an ashram in Costa Rica. <laughs> Is that where the money went? I, You know, it's funny because... Um... When the director, Fernando, um, uh, told me, you know what? We got a hold of her. We got a hold of that woman. She's claiming yeah. that the payment was like $20 million. $20 million, okay? They told me it was one. They told me it was $1 million. So that's your team telling you it yes. was $1 million. So, okay. So she she admits that no it was 20 million but and tells and tells the director but i only i only saw a million of it okay so where's the other 19 million right it's i'm actually thinking of opening up some kind of investigation i really am you a hundred percent should and by the way, you deserve a refund. I mean, hello. Well, for the record, you do look great in all of them. Although you you look very vacant in the face, which makes me sad. Like it's clearly you are not in your right mind. If you had willingly done that in your right mind, I am all for it. I, I say, do you put on the fishnets? It's still a marvel of like modern science how you got that wormed your way in there, but you did it. But here's a question. Yeah. Sorry to jump in. No, jump in, Jan. But Oscar, I watched it as well. And I felt like, and correct me if I'm wrong, you were saying that you had done this uh, several times, that this was just an expression of yourself, your playful side to dress up, to have fun. And it was just the pictures that were, were had never been taken before. And that's what threw you for a loop. Is that not right? Um, I had I had seen that same girl and, you know, dressed up in a couple of occasions yes um i mean the pictures are the ones that obviously i i didn't expect for them to come out um now is that when you went to rehab after that experience oh yeah oh yeah i mean everybody so that that incident happens and then now my team is telling me wait a minute um you have to go to rehab i think you have problems but did you think you had to go to rehab no no, I you didn't thought. think you had to go to rehab. No, I never thought. No, I've, I've always been like, it's like, I, I've always been careful. I've always been like somewhat balanced, you know. But everybody right. telling me I need help, like, and convincing me you must go to rehab. Well, guess what? I was in there for like three months one time, and who knows what was okay. going on and did in the office? Who knows what was going on? 
with my finances. Who knows what was going on? You know? I so, see. So you felt like you were being forced into rehab by people that wanted to loot the piggy bank. That's correct. And um, in, in, in that rehab that I was in, I think it was like a week into that rehab, one of my ex-CEOs, he comes visits me. And he has a stack of papers, okay? That he wants you to sign. He wants me to sign to sell my company. <gasps> Are you tired of scrubbing your bathroom clean? I am. Transform your bathroom cleaning with wet and forget weekly shower cleaner. Just spray today and rinse tomorrow for a no scrub clean. With over 33,000 five-star reviews, it's your once a week solution to keeping your tub and shower surfaces sparkling clean. Available at Amazon, Lowe's, Menards, Home Depot, and Ace Hardware. Join thousands who have switched to an easier clean. Get Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner today and make your bathroom sparkle with zero scrubbing. You know, Jan, the weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. <laughs> if you've been waiting to update your wardrobe for a long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. Build up a lineup of timeless pieces that keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. I've been telling you about Quince for a while now, and I plan to keep telling you until you get the message. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to you. I just took a few of their cover-ups on vacation, which were the perfect easy breezy looks to wear. And right now they have these tank dresses that are in the cart ready to check out. Go look on their website. These tank dresses are effortlessly chic. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash off camera for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash off camera to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash off camera. A week into that rehab, one of my ex-CEOs, he has a stack of papers, okay? That he wants you to sign. He wants me to sign to sell my company, <gasps> to sell Golden Boy Promotions. And he starts telling me, you know what? Maybe boxing and this lifestyle and this is not for you. And all you, you know, just focus on your family, this, just retire from boxing, retire from everything. And, and and keep in mind at that time I was I was sedated. Right. So because you have to like right. detox first, and they right? Give you this medication right. and you're a zombie. And so I remember like maybe half an hour into the conversation, I snapped out of it and I told him, give me those papers. I'm gonna have my lawyer that I hire look at them. And he went berserk. And I took those papers, and sure enough, I found out that I was selling my company, that I couldn't use my name and likeness for the next 30 years. Um, I couldn't be involved in boxing anymore. I was just receiving wow. pennies on the dollar from what they were offering me. I mean, it was, a, it was a mess. It's crazy too, the story just unfolds because I remember now the, the owner of the rehab one day got me like, this was like maybe two weeks into the rehab or maybe three weeks. He took me to the side and said, Oscar, you know, I, I think he started mentioning the papers and he started mentioning the, the ex-CEO and, 
and saying how maybe this is best for you. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's more. To so it. now he's like infiltrating. Yes, yes. He's compromising yeah. the. Okay. There definitely needs to be a part three. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the investigation, the exposing of these malevolent forces in your life has to be part of it. What is your relationship with alcohol and drugs now? Do you have one? No, I, I, I have a drink here and there and I play a lot of golf and I have a, an amazing life. I've got to tell you, um, I've been like blown away by, first of all, your openness, your honesty, your ability to like, let us ask these probative questions. I really marvel at your ability to maintain a life after so much trauma has mm -hmm. happened to you and your ability to maneuver some really um, unmaneuverable moments for most people. I, I'm wondering, like, what is the next, like, what does Oscar de la Hoya, the next 10 years, the next 20 years, what is that for us? What do we see? Um, I, I love business. That's the one thing that really motivates me a lot. Um, I love running my empire. I love staying with it. I love, I love just being on the go and, um, and staying busy. Um, I love the relationship that I have with my girlfriend. It's like, it's beautiful. And I love the work that I'm doing with my family, with my kids, you know, the work I have to do, um, but there's there's a lot of a lot of goals I still have uh, that are personal goals that I want to accomplish. Um, I'm I'm driven. I I love building. I love creating. I want to see that next young superstar in boxing um, become the biggest thing um, with the guidance of of my mistakes. And so when I'm promoting these young kids. I'd love for them when they come up to me and ask for advice and, and ask questions. And so all of that just drives me. Everything that I'm working towards now is for a reason. Everything that I'm working towards has its purpose. And most importantly is, is just fixing and healing that relationship with my kids. I mean, that's all that matters now. And, and healing my wounds as well and making sure that I'm okay because my whole life, I put everybody else first, except for me. And so I think today, everything's about balance. I so appreciate you sitting with us and congratulations. I look forward to part three of the documentary and the investigation. I, Keep us up to date because I really think that this is like, I mean, are you fascinated? Jan, the Jan 20 and million Albert thing, and I, I'm like, like our mouths are on the, the floor. 20 million thing. That's yeah, our just... mouths are on the floor right now. But thanks for spending time with us. Congratulations on the documentary and everything else. <laughs> I sure will. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. So I think we can all agree that was compelling. Absolutely. And Gosh. Absolutely. This documentary is really fascinating. It is, it's definitely dark. I, I'm not saying that you're going to feel completely good watching this. To me, it's like a devastation. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel uplifted by it. I I hope and pray that he definitely gets into family therapy. I mean, he deserves it. Everybody deserves to feel loved. Absolutely. But the name of the documentary is The Golden Boy. It's on Max streaming. Um, if you have HBO, it's airing on HBO. It's a very compelling 
Um, on a lighter note. Okay. Are we going to dark-sided Ask Kelly questions? No, we're going to Ask Kelly. But, you know, there's Uh-oh. been a lot of talk about the Ask Kelly, the, the jingle. The jingle. Because Kyle's so talented, but you've said that he sounds like sometimes he's he's in the Jitney or something on the way to the Hamptons. We is have he here? Kyle is here on a Zoom. So oh, my gosh. What an honor. Oh! oh! <laughs> Kyle, let me ask you this. Have you ever put on a fishnet bodysuit for any reason? I have put on a fishnet bodysuit. And it, it was not just for any reason. It was for a fraternity talent show. I'm not kidding. Do photos exist of said fishnet outfit? Yes. And I have to say this was this was a very difficult fishnet to put on because it was the wide whale. Like it was the... The big whole fishnet, which is hard <laughs> to get into, wouldn't you say? We're going to post them to promote this episode. <laughs> but just okay. give us your best Ask Kelly. Okay. Now. It's time for Ask Kelly. Ah! Woohoo! Okay. Yeah. So the first one is from Nen, uh, Nen Mayak, I think it's pronounced. Which of your kids has your brain? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> Which of my kids has my brain? Um, oh, Kyle, who would you say has my brain? Wouldn't you say Lola? I would say Lola. You think Lola? I wish I had Lola's brain. <laughs> Lola's brain is light years ahead of mine. I would say I slide between Lola and Michael because I'm, I tend to be nerdier like Michael is. I tend to read a ton of books. I'm more of a homebody like he is. Lola's certainly more social. I find her to be more tracking from the Consuelo side of the family. She's out and about. She's international. She feels comfortable everywhere she goes. So I would say, but she does have my sense of humor. She's got a dark sided sense of humor. I say Lola. And like a joie de vivre. There's just like a vivacity to Lola that I associate with you a bit. But I'd say I would be, I run in between those two. Okay, next. Right, they next Or one. they run in between me. From the Uplifting Candies, how do you manage to strike a balance between your career and self-care? Oh, oh my gosh. Excellent question. These questions are very challenging for me today. Um, well, as you know, I work hard, but I also carve out at least one hour a day for whether it's exercise or just a walk where I listen to a podcast, usually hours. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not ashamed to admit that. I find Albert and Jan enormously entertaining, Kyle. Oh, yeah. Don't you? Don't Albert's do. laugh. I do too. Albert's I laugh do. is yeah. reason to tune in alone. Albert's laugh good, is... You do, yeah. you do, you do, I do. I'm very impressed with how no matter how... Even yesterday, what time was your workout? You had a full day and then you had a 6 p.m. No, no, no. I had a 6 p.m. workout, which I had to cancel because well, right. our shoot ran until 7. But you still Sad. scheduled a 6 Sad. p.m. workout. Like, that's <laughs> dedication. Yes, yes. I didn't work out yesterday. So, uh, obviously, my professional life is falling apart. But, no, but you planned for it. No, I think you've made a second career out of self-care. That's how important it is yeah. to you, that it's another career. Well, but speaking of careers, you usually monetize on careers. <laughs> this is like something I just spend money on. But yes, I try to because I feel like when it comes to uh, personal care, it's like they say on the airplane where they're like, make sure you put your own oxygen mask on first before you help other people. 
And it's something I always listen to and I laugh about because I know as a mother, I would certainly make sure my kids' oxygen masks were on before my own, no matter how many times they tell me. But self-care in a career environment is as important as putting your own oxygen mask on first. So that's that. Okay, next question. I'm going to let you guess who it's from. Okay. Okay, here's the question. Why no wire hangers ever? (laughs) (laughs) Who would that be from? It's got to be, it's either going to be at Isaac Boots or at his name is Jeffrey. There you go. Yes, yes. Is it Jeffrey? Oh my gosh. Why no wire hangers ever? Because I buy you a beautiful dress, $300 dress, and you treat it like trash. (laughs) That's why. I don't ask much from you, girl. (laughs) Well, that was it. Why no wire hangers? My favorite question I've ever gotten. Kyle, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Kyle. Well, wait, I need to sing you out, don't I? Yes. Sing us out. Oh, yes. Okay, wait, I'm going to hold this up to the oh, lens, yeah. and it? I want you to sing this part. Remember to tell your friends about our podcast. Take their phones and make sure they are following the show. And if you need a refresher of how to do that, then, hey, there's a great video of my dad's tutorial on my Instagram. (laughs) And I can't wait to talk to you all next week. Bye now. I think we need Kyle every episode. Thanks, Kyle. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Kyle. Woohoo! Let's Talk Off Camera with Kelly Ripa is a co production of Melojo Productions and PRX Productions with help from Goat Rodeo. Our theme song is Follow Me from APM Music. From Melojo, our team is Kelly Ripa, Mark Consuelos, Albert Bianchini, Jan Chalet, Devin Schneider, Michael Halpern, Jacob Small, Roz Therian, Seth Gronquist, and Julia Desch. From PRX Productions, our team is Kara Schillen, Genevieve Sponsler, Megan Nadolsky, Isabel Kirby McGowan, Edwin Ochoa. Additional sound design by Terrence Bernardo. The executive producer of PRX Productions is Jocelyn Gonzalez. This show is powered by Stitcher. From PRX. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, essential plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.